On this episode of War No Damn Experts, Madi is scared beyond belief as she and Rebecca listen to the first-hand ghost encounters at the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art. Best damn podcast, the best damn town. You want to get up, get ready to get down. Welcome to the greatest damn town in Montana, Great Falls. I'm Rebecca Ingham. And I'm Maricela Hazard. And we're no damn experts. But we do have an expert on the podcast today. If you want to know who to talk to, to access one of the creepiest or most wonderful exhibits... In Great Falls, you're going to contact Sarah Justice, the executive director of the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art. Now, that's a mouthful, Sarah. So we're going to call it the square. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Does that sound good to you? That sounds good. Thank you. (laughs) So we have this longstanding debate on the Listine exhibit, which is my favorite exhibit in art ever in the world and Maddie's most... uh, thing that's made of nightmares for her okay well i like talking about the listing exhibit because Mm -hmm. i want to know if anyone else shares the same emotion (laughs) about it um because to me i'm like oh we could set a movie in here and it would be thrilling we'll just (laughs) i love it Yeah. yeah Where do you stand? Well, I stand on the fact that, I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty wonderful exhibit. I mm-hmm. mean, you're, you're dealing with, so Lee Steen, a little bit of background for, for the people listening today, is Lee Steen, this is an exhibit of these larger-than-life stick figures, basically. <laughs> and this gentleman lived in Roundup, Montana, and he was very, very much a recluse. He lived with his brother. If I'm not mistaken, it was a twin brother. Oh, my oh. goodness. And, you know, he wasn't a really social person at all. He did have children. I don't know much about oh. that history. <laughs> but he would hike along the rivers, the river beds and collect cottonwood. Oh. And he would often find human characteristics or animal characteristics in these pieces of wood. And he would paint them very vibrantly and they would be peppered all over his property. So he had them everywhere. So when people would drive by, you know, they would see this property full of these stick figures. And he called them cowboys. These were like cowboys to him. They were like his friends. Um, and when he had passed away, his family had kept these for years and ended up somebody had a connection to him and wrote this whole story on him and his life, and they donated this to our permanent collection. So the square has a room that's made just for his exhibition, twenty, you know, every day of the week for the existence of our museum. Which oh. is so neat. Yeah, and they're really, really special because it's he is a self-taught artist. It's a lot like a, a folk artist mm-hmm. in a way, but we consider this term called outsider artist, and that was coined in the 70s okay. for self-taught artist. And when I say self-taught, they didn't go to college for art. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Um, you can take art classes, you know, in high school and things, but you would still be considered through academia and through the fine art world as a self-taught artist if you did not go to higher education. 
Okay. For art. Does that make sense? I'm yeah. a self-taught content director. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And I was a self-taught artist for many years and went back to college later in life. I'm you know, a self-taught for fine art. executive director. <laughs> there you go. I like this. We're too. <laughs> I think there's a lot of times when we go to college and we end up with these jobs that nobody would have thought you go to college for, you know. Yeah. Most of my career has been that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, Sarah is the executive director of The Square, and we saw this summer that there was a cool event coming there, and it was back in August that you hosted the Ghost Hunts USA Tours at The Square. And we were like, Sarah, come on the podcast. Tell us all the creepy, tell us scary. all about it. And she's like, I really can't until October because oh. they're so busy. <laughs> well, they we wa- just had big fundraisers. Yeah, they did events, this special yeah. edition Western Art Week with their 24th annual JURD exhibition and auction. It was tied into that with the summer concert. And then you had the Arts on Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of events going on. So things have calmed down for you. And now we're going to go back to what happened in August. I'll never forget it. <laughs> well, let's, let's start us from so, the beginning, because we did a little bit of video for our Facebook before the event started, and you talked about how they first reached out to you about the square. And if you haven't seen the square, look at our show notes right now on warnodamexperts.com, and you're going to see a picture of this magnificent building. It's a huge, old, beautiful building that um, still stands in the center of our town, which wasn't in the center of our town when it was built, but... Tell us. Tell us what you know. uh, You know, the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art is a sandstone structure, uh, Renaissance revival style architecture, and it was built in 1895. And it became a high school, Central High School, in 1896. Okay. It was a high school all the way until like the 1930s, and then it transitioned into a middle school. And it was a middle school until uh, 1975. Oh, wow. And then it closed down in 1975. And so for two years, it was just kind of storage for Great Falls Public Schools. So the building is still owned by Great Falls Public Schools. Huh. To this day? To this day. Oh. And the square, yeah, the square, the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art, rents that building for a dollar a year. Oh. But we maintain it. So it is our (laughs) responsibility to fundraise and raise money, write grants to preserve that historic building make sure the lights stay on and mm-hmm. the lights are appropriate to the yeah, building yeah and, yeah and so there's tons of history i mean we still have people come in pretty regularly that went to high school there or new family members that did and like my office is the principal's office which is pretty funny <laughs> Fitting, i think like you know the administrative <laughs> yeah. offices, offices um but yeah it's forty-four thousand square feet Oh, well, you know, you don't really go upstairs that often. And when well, I went to Sarah's office and I then I walked through her studio, too, and like, this place is huge and I want windows. Yeah, it was I really a lot je- of great window. I I'm know. really jealous. I but the so building itself lucky. is just amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, it is a school and you can see those remnants, but I didn't have a school well, the original turrets. And oh, yeah. yeah. The turrets, windows the large like windows. Um, exposed beams in the upstairs, all hardwood floors. Yeah. I mean, there's still some some of the history left completely in there. We keep a little of it as we've also transitioned it into an art museum, you right. know, in 1977. Um, you know, and it's, it was interesting because when I started working there, you know, I was afraid to be in the building alone. I mean, I've been there now for four years oh. and in the evenings when you're shutting everything down, you know, there's definitely 
I have to be honest. I mean, there is this creep factor. Uh It scares every one of us. If you're somebody that's sensitive to that. Well, and I think even if you aren't, it is a big, old building that's going to just have random noises. And you don't know if that's the furnace kicking on or someone who is unsettled in their life wanting, (laughs) wanting to visit with you. Well, I can't wait to share. Y'all have to ask me <laughs> questions, but I've learned a lot from this. So you know, it wasn't experience. a mental institution, which are usually the scariest places ghosts go, I think, like the horrific experiences that happen there. Right. This was a school. So mm-hmm. wait, I disagree. Cause I, <laughs> well, think about it. If you're going, not necessarily for the square, but if you were to just say two buildings, the mental institute, you would assume there would be some not so happy experiences, but ghosts from a school? Well, what caused that? But I know when you said that the Ghost Hunts USA reached out, um, that you were talking about your experience, but it's it's mostly happy. I mean, you can be scared of spirits, whether they're good or bad, but... Yeah. You know, I mean, if good you're energy, interested in diving say. into what they... I mean, they yep. reached out to us, and we've had people over the years reach out to the square about being able to come in and do paranormal readings and things mm-hmm. because they've heard the building is haunted. And so Ghost Hunts reached out. I was really not interested in this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, Originally, you- because of fear and wanting, you know, what would, what would happen if we do drum in, you know, pull in these spirits and things like that. But they flew into town, met with me. They were all very professional, very kind. Um, I called all of the references. They do these throughout the country and all the references were like, they're completely professional. There's no drinking involved. I mean, these are people that come to these events and pay the money for these events are people that are very serious about ghost hunting. Yeah. And so it's like this whole, um, Subculture is what I almost call it. <laughs> yeah, that makes They're sense. really interesting people. <laughs> I met with them. So they came for two nights, August 13th and 14th. Friday night I was out of town, so I had one of my staff members uh, <laughs> present. She's not a believer, so she was like, meh, whatever. I'll do you know, it. I called her. She was like, hey, I don't believe any of it. Well, I came in on Saturday night, and I came in about 7 o'clock. Everybody showed up about 8.30. And I stayed in the building until about four o'clock in the morning. And I just stayed in my studio because I was, I mean, I met with them and I would meet during the breaks and open up the gift shop. They want to buy something or something. But I just have had enough experiences in my own life with it that I don't need to see it and experience (laughs) it personally because I work there all the time. So I stayed in my um, studio, but I did still experience things. Oh, man. And so that's... You know, I don't know oh, where to begin because I'll ramble and you'll be like, oh. no, no. What what did you experience? Like, was it cold air? Was it things moving? Well, the beautiful. Well, for me, I did not experience anything moving. And I'm really grateful for that because at the art museum, I didn't want artwork coming flying off the wall or Lee <laughs> yeah. Steen get mad, knock his, right. his, his stick figures over. <laughs> I don't want my stuff here. Yeah. See, you guys have the imagination, too. <laughs> I'm moving it out. <laughs> you know, but I, I heard many things. So all these paranormal readers have all these different devices that they use. And maybe people out in the world there have have seen them on different TV shows and things. Uh, but there's these audio boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So come to find out, these are things I learned from these ghost hunters. That spirit has a really hard time. These ghosts communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, they resonate at a higher level, so we can't necessarily hear it. Okay. Also, these boxes read what they 
They speak what they say. Okay. Okay, some of them. Lee Steen did not speak. He did make in a light go off. They asked questions, Lee Steen, are you here? And a green light would go, you know, and things along those lines. And then when he was done, he was done. But he was antisocial. Wow. You said he was a recluse. Mm -hmm. So I think he did probably show up and was available. So come to find out two spirits can come and go from the space anytime. They're not always there. Some of them leave. Some of them just visit for the night. There's supposedly this one gentleman did come in and visit just for the night. (laughs) Um, A nightly gentleman caller. (laughs) A couple. So people, you know, caught on tape orbs, um, voices, lots of voices, uh, I personally saw, smelt this smell down on the east side of the building. And and then I'll, when I share all these things, I'll share what we experienced before ever ghost hunts came in because there was all yeah. kinds of things too. Right. But so this floral smell, it was like um, honeysuckle and hydrangea, not hydrangea, gardenia, like super potent. Oh. Right at the base of the stairs. And when you would walk down the hall, you'd run into this smell that was really thick and then in the women's restroom it was all in there for three hours non-stop nobody sprayed anything i'm having second second uh thoughts second thoughts on having you on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little freaked out why i'm a scaredy cat well admit that but well no so there is supposedly a woman named abigail how do you find there. these things out? Like, usually well, there's that backstory of, well, there was a woman who used to live in this house. Well, it's the people that were running it and people, the professionals. Okay. Know, oh. say this woman, her name's Abigail, supposedly, and, and she's here pretty much all the time. You know, so I'm assuming she's the one that had the smell. And I heard that's not, and then I did my own research afterwards that, is that even possible? And it, it is possible. Huh. I don't know how that works you know and then i of course in my mind go well did they did they put a little bomb, bomb. off over there right. you know to make the experience you know um but no i don't believe that they did and i believe that that was really real she did say that there is a man that hangs out in the women's restroom all the time and he's like a voyeur <laughs> so he hangs out <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah I've never um, been in the restroom at the square. Oh, I have. And they're both beautiful. <laughs> the one in the basement's been renovated, but I have people that don't even know we did ghost hunts. I had this younger girl that came in. Um, she was the daughter of one of the artists that's exhibiting at the museum right now. Okay. And she came up to me last Friday. Was it last Friday? I think it was. Or the Friday before that for our art opening. Okay. And she just said, I just had the major creeps in that bathroom downstairs by the classroom. She said, I just felt like somebody was watching me in there. And I'm like, well, it wouldn't surprise me because room 18, that classroom down in the basement is the most active space in the museum. Okay. I don't know why, the east side okay. of the building. We've always seen it. So when I first started at the square, I would get there really early in the morning and often leave after everybody was gone. And my <laughs> studio was down there too. So I'd be out there until midnight, one o'clock in the morning, making right. work. And, but in the mornings often, I would, at the corner of my eye, I swear I would see shadow darting at the end from room 18 across the hall and multiple times Mm -hmm. and never thought anything of it but my heart would race this is what's really interesting too spirits are around 24 hours a day okay so during the day light we're not really frightened right no because our senses aren't as heightened it's when we're in the dark that our senses are more heightened that's why we get fearful Mm -hmm. which i find is really interesting 
Um, what yeah, else did I? They're not just getting active at night. They're active right. all the time. Right. And we're just only noticing it at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the smell. There was a lot of communication between the spirits in room 18, almost like they were fighting. Because come to find out, there was one that did come in that wasn't normally here oh, in the building. Okay. And I don't think they were really happy about that. I could not hear what they said. It sounded really demonic. But the reason they said it sounds demonic, those voices are like, you know, right. like that, is because they're really trying to force it out to communicate oh. with you. So do you know if the ghost hunters, if they ask the spirits to come? Do they announce their presence? They do announce their presence. Um, well, and so say their intentions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So, well, they. So the people that are coming to these events, they'll just say, "Hi, you know, we're here." And um, who are you? You know, how many spirits are here in this room with us right now? What is your name? Why are you here? Yeah. You know, often in many of them, what I heard is that they are all really happy with the institution and what we do to it and how we're preserving the building. Like they're very content with oh. the staff that's there and happy. Okay. I do think that they got upset that we had that go on because it's really exhausting for them. Oh. Um, and so I experienced that. So what I was going to mention, like at the very end of the night, I'm in my studio and there were some people up in the attic from Ghost Hunts and they were specifically... When they were leaving, they were telling the ghost, you know, we're going to leave now. I want to make sure that you stay here because I hear spirits can also travel with you. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, but we just want to make sure that you stay here. Goodbye. Blah, 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 blah. And then I heard this voice so loud as day, very, very loud, that said, we have to. Oh. oh. And at that oh. point, I was like, well, I think we're done. <laughs> And then that Sunday, the only other thing I'm going to mention is that Sunday, um, I came back. So I stayed until what, four o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning, came back at five o'clock because I was finishing up a sculpture. I was nervous to be in the building by myself. And I was there for two hours and I was closing everything up, walking down the center hallway in the gallery and no joke, one hit me in the back. And kind of went through me. I mean, moved me forward. I jumped around so fast and I screamed, <laughs> boo! <laughs> I don't know why I said boo. I don't know. But I was frightened to death and I'd yelled down that hall three times, leave me alone. I mean mm. it. Oh my goodness. You know? So at that point, I realized I think we won't do that again. Yeah, it didn't seem like maybe after that they're like, hey, just so you know. Well, even though they were respectful, they still didn't want it. No. Okay. Well, I don't think they do. And I heard there's a little boy and there's children and, you know, and, and I've had other staff hear things, you know, little giggling in different rooms or the shadows, or I thought I saw one of them sh- present himself. One evening when I was walking back in the building, I saw a gentleman sitting on a bench mm. looking out the window and I just thought maybe somebody was in the museum and there was nobody in the museum. <laughs> God, Sarah. No, I know. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, when I walk in, now that that's over, like I say, probably won't do that again, just out of respect for them. It's such a pleasant feeling in there. It's all good. Have positive. You communicated mm-hmm. to them that they we won't bring them back. We understand this was a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Like, do you just talk to them? Yeah, now? I did. Even that Sunday when I came in after one knock, you know, before they ran into me I uh I just said you know I thank you for your patience and we did this 
we're a 501c3. We're a nonprofit. Right. They rented the space for a lot of money. And that helps with fundraising goals. Yes. Yeah. So we did it a lot for the money and to give these people experience. And the people that came in that bought tickets were so grateful. Um, I've had people contact me since then and ask if they can come in and just do their own readings. And I said, you know, during the day or whatever, if you want to, and you just kind of keep it on the down low, I guess I'm okay with it. But I'm not a big fan of drumming it back up and and bringing outside spirits in just to be a part of the activity. You said initially that a woman told Ghost Hunts USA that they need to go to the Paris Gibson Square Museum of Art, that they didn't do their own research, that someone presented the idea to them. They did. Okay, can you you tell us any more about that? Not really, other than I just know it was a woman, I guess, that has been to our museum before. And I think they were down in Texas at a different Ghost Hunts USA, or they were out of state. And okay. they went to the owner and told him you should check this this building out. I have seen some really cool edited photos of the square, just the exterior, that it kind of looks a little moody. I'm like, oh, that's a moody fall photo. I can I can see if someone added a cobweb. It could be a Halloween-themed <laughs> image. But yeah. it has that dramatic or presence. But I haven't heard of any ghost stories otherwise. But I am new to the community. Are other circles aware of the square? Have you heard? Yeah. Huh. I mean, definitely. Like I say, there's over the years, people have contacted us interested in coming in and doing paranormal readings. And we're always like, no, no, no. And then this one time, I just thought, well, let me hear these people out. Uh-huh. Right. Um, Did they take footage? Are they going... Is there video they of this? They did, but nobody's given me any, and I don't know if I'll get any of it. Usually they keep it for themselves. It's interesting. These ghost hunts people, like couples that come in and do this, uh-huh. they're like super fascinated. Like they're professional people, and this is what they do on the side. Yeah. But, it, you know, they, they take all that data home, and then they try to decipher it and hear what they're saying and stuff like that. And there was one guy supposedly down in room 18 that was like, they asked him, "Where? Um, so where are you from? And he was like, hell. And I was like... I don't know if he really said that, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Well, but one guy, well, he was grumpy, came in from the outside and was just being a total jerk, I think. And then that's why I was hearing all this jumbling. Well, if you well, can bring spirits with you, maybe this guy's just tag along. Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to ruin this. <laughs> right. This he goes, tour. I'm going to ruin this event. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing about the spirits that are there all the time, they probably don't want to share their space with Mm-mm. outsiders. Yeah. Like one of them, I think, is a mason. That might have been one of the masons that actually built the building, oh. potentially. Um, the janitor, if I'm not mistaken, is still there. Hmm. You know, and his whole family lived there, come to find out. I think they lived upstairs in the attic Oh. Um, at one time. And I heard it was really embarrassing on the daughter. Really? You know, to... So well, she would... Yeah. These are just stories. Uh-huh. I don't know what how much accurate... Um, but I definitely do believe they lived upstairs. But the daughter would leave early in the morning, walk down the street, and walk with the kids back, so the kids didn't know she had to live that she was living there. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I get that, right? I mean, kids <laughs> haven't changed that much. Yeah, over that bullying still happens. Two hundred right? years. There, there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if I were to go to the square right now, I know you have that one exhibit that just opened on October 1st. What is it called again? Uh, Beyond, Beyond Intention. Beyond Intentions. Yeah. And it's the That's three, amazing. Ladies. Um, three ladies. I saw the one installation being installed when I was meeting there. And it was this red yarn yeah, crochet. Crochet. Like larger than life doilies. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. But, so but at first, 
in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to see Sarah soon for the podcast. It's going to be about like Halloween. We're going to talk ghost stories. And I'm like, what are, is this have to do with it? <laughs> does it have anything to do with it? No, it doesn't. You know, it. but I can see why you would see that. Yeah, if I want You know, because these larger than light doilies... I mean, they have the repetition and symmetry like a cobweb would. Yeah. It could be you a know. blood-stained cobweb if you want it. <laughs> you if create... you're forcing it to be. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe there's just a night where you write stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can be ghost or yeah. otherwise, but That's take right. the surroundings around you and write some stories. Mm-hmm. I nice mean, we're artist. open. I mean, it's free to the public of the square. You can right. come anytime. Yeah. You know, and and. Feel what you will feel. You know, some of you might be feeling energy. Others might not. Write stories. Sketch these things. Come up with your own stories. Do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. The staff member that was there on Friday night that didn't believe, did they tell you anything about their experience? No? Nope. Did you ask? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, nope. Nothing happened. Well, did Mm -hmm. they like hide in a corner? I think they probably sat in one area and didn't go anywhere. I would had my AirPods in. But, you know, I was there for hours. I was like, I got to go to the restroom. And so I have my phone. Had to keep all the lights off. So I have my phone flashlight trying to make it through. And I'm going, Jesus Christ, I hope to God nothing bounces, you know. No way. I would have been like, bathroom break, guys. We're turning the lights on. Um, No, I kept the lights off and tried to respect their time. And then I just go back up my studio. Yeah, you know, but one thing I just I'm so grateful though these spirits do not move things. I have never experienced anything moving like sliding across the floor. If that happened, I just <laughs> I would know what it. I would do. Well, especially with a museum of art, you don't want people's works of art just flying off the wall. No, it's Darn like again. a complete liability. Trust me, we were concerned <laughs> a little bit. They have a lot of insurance though, Ghost Hunt USA, for that reason. <laughs> do you know if they've done any other museums? Um, that they're like, hey, this one time we were at the Smithsonian. This and- is what happened. <laughs> well, Deer Lodge. Okay, you know, Deer, you know the prison there. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who I called. A place in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, but they do travel all over the place. And I think they, you know, are considering other places. Like the Columbus Sitter would be an amazing place. Oh, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Because, again, going back to may or may not have happened, the potential horror stories in an old hospital. Yeah. Oh, totally. (laughs) I hear that place is very, very, very active. Uh, yeah. Well, wow. and we've heard there's a lot of great ghost activity or spirit activity around Great Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lobby Bar is one that most everybody gets to hear oh, about. Interesting. What's that story? There's like a dude that hangs out there, mostly friendly spirit, but screws with the TV all the time. Like it's a very active spirit and most anybody who's hung out at the Lobby Bar has seen it and <laughs> been a part of it. So. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Oh. I hear yeah. the Civic Center, too. Yeah. Is. It just seems to me that we're a very active spot for a lot of them. And you know <laughs> what would be kind of interesting is Owen, who's the executive director of the Civic Center, mm-hmm. he came to the event on August 14th when I was there. Oh. And because he just wanted to see what it was all about because maybe he'd want them to right. come, come there. Um, and when he left, I was like, what do you think, Owen? Do you really think this is real? And he's like... No. So he's not a believer. I'm sorry. All it takes. But when somebody hits you in the back. Right. Exactly. There was no one around. I wasn't (laughs) drinking. I mean, there was not, you know. Yeah. Well, I've said this to Sarah. So just logically speaking, that if you are a religious person, you believe in a higher power, there's always the counterpart. Right. So 
whether they're good or evil, you, you can't deny it. And I know my sister, she's a, she's a believer of ghosts and spirits. And she's like, do you think I am making this up? And I said, just because I didn't experience it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it's not something I seek or I'm interested in, but I'm not doubting it happened for you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. I'm like, because I know a lot of things are based on reality. So, <laughs> and I'm just a scaredy cat. So even if they're good or bad, I don't want someone knocking me on the back. I don't want to feel a, a presence in well, a room. Well, and it can be so simple. I did a tour of the Eastern State Penitentiary in Pennsylvania and just walking through it on an in an August summer day in a controlled ruins it was hot I'm sweaty mm-hmm. and then to be in an area that's a hundred percent colder than it was yeah that's an indication that something is different there yeah <laughs> I don't know what yeah. but I don't think there was some type of air conditioning unit or a bunch of ice blocks hanging from somewhere that all of a sudden I was in a cool part of the prison no it really happens it happens the real and I mean, that's the thing the you just those are experiences that occur. You don't have to justify or figure it out. You can just go, oh, that happened, and walk on. Yeah. I think the people that get their head wrapped around trying to explain it, like, no, Rebecca's right. No one's hanging ice blocks above you. No one's going through this effort to make right. to make you feel this way. And the whole <laughs> smelling thing, they right. can't control it. That was really unique. That, yeah, they can't just be like, okay, we're going to set up a perimeter. <laughs> it's like a, no, a Wi-Fi-centered... It really stuff. was this one area, and you would just... You could feel it almost in some way, too. Yeah. So I would imagine that was Abigail, you know? But wow, and I haven't smelled that smell since. You know, I'm wondering... Why then, you know, but when you have all these people in a building really communicating and communicating and trying to get these people, you know, well, uh, connected to you, that's when it all started happening. It's like you're sitting on a bus. If I'm not talking to the person next to me, they're probably not going to talk back. But if mm-hmm. someone is going to walk into this bus Speaking. and address everybody and say, hi, I'm Madi. I'm here to talk to everyone on the Long bus. Visit. We're going to get introductions. Why are you here? Then you're forced to talk and communicate. And you might open up at that point, but if no one's leading this conversation, there's no reason for me to speak up and say, hi, everyone on the bus, getting off at stop 14. <laughs> Just thought you'd this like to why. know. <laughs> yeah. So when you have those people that orchestrate it and know what to do, um, I, I could see you getting some more activity those days. Because I would assume spirits like us are polite. <laughs> if Sarah walks into rooms like, hey, I'm Sarah, I'd like to meet everyone. I'm not going to be the one that sits in the corner. Like, no. (laughs) And so I think it's a lot of that politeness of them going, oh, okay, I guess I'll be a part of this. And I mean, it's not like you're going to know they're there and sitting in the corner saying no. Yeah. Right. But, you know, it's just still those elements of human nature, I think. Mm -hmm. So even though not everyone's going to go to the square to have a ghost hunt or do it on their own. I do want to do some other plugs for the square. And I want to say that I'm proud of myself for the first time when I met with Ellie earlier this month, I didn't buy something from the gift shop. So my husband was really proud of me. Sarah's extremely upset with you. Well, look, every time I go there, I buy something. Well, we do have things for $3, even a dollar. But I'm like, okay, Maddie, not another We all need more art in our life. Trust me. I know. I get these coffee mugs that I'm in love with there. I know you have art and 
jewelry and sculptures and but I'm just drawn to the coffee mugs and I bring another one home and my husband's like what are you doing so I need to drink coffee out of this I know but I was also there earlier this summer and I got a little preview of the art auction that you guys were putting off how did that go tell us a little oh, bit more about it it was wonderful thank you for asking no it was one of our best art auctions to date are you gonna because it had the online so, presence too right yes are you yeah. going to continue that years forward? Uh, well, we're looking towards making some changes moving okay. forward. You okay. Know, um, you know, I've thrown up in the air. Do I do it every single year? Should it be every other year? Mm. Okay. Or how can we change it up? You know, we're a pretty small staff. Mm-hmm. It's a ton, a ton of work putting that event yeah. on. Yeah. You know, so how can we bring it to the community? Because one thing we notice is a definite with our community is they like to party. Mm-hmm. If they're going to spend 125 bucks on a ticket... They want to have a really, really great experience. And yeah. the square is really good at giving them that. You know, so next year, we're probably going to do it a little different. Bring back the live auction okay. with an auctioneer. Okay. Oh, I love auctioneers. Yeah. Mostly because I have no idea where I'm at. And they look at me and I'm like, okay, I, I don't, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think people are just really ready to get back to some kind of normalcy. Yeah. This COVID thing, you know, so... The year before last, we had to do all online. Mm-hmm. This year, it is was a combination of virtual and in person. Mm-hmm. So we had to try that out because at this in August, we still weren't sure are we going to be yeah. shut down again. Well, because you guys don't plan it in a week, no. right? <laughs> so, no, it's usually six months in the making, at least yeah. you know. And um, but it was really successful. So we sold a lot of art, probably on average what we normally sell in art. But our paddle raise is what, and I don't know. If you're familiar with the paddle raise, no, tell us. Term. Oh, okay, paddle yeah. raise. Well, usually that's something that happens in the middle of the auction. So we we auction off ten pieces, then we pause and go. You know what? Now we're going to talk a little bit more about our organization. Okay. We are raising money right now for operations in our education department veterans program. Okay. Yeah, I heard about that one. Who can give me? five grand right now towards that program, you know? And so we're basically getting people to raise their paddle and their paddle is a number. When you come into an auction, you get a number and that's what you use to bid on things. Okay. And so we raised $28,000 in the paddle raise. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome to hear. We had some major donors that, you know, matched up to 10 grand and things like that. So Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. So you guys do have the education component with some drop-in classes. So if you, you know, we we're a tourism podcast. So if if you're a local, they do have some quarterly classes that are six weeks long. But if you're not a local, which is really who we love, um, they do have (laughs) drop-in classes. Yeah, we have like weekend workshops. Some days, one day workshops with visiting artists. Okay. Another thing. Yeah. So I mean. And again, free admission, so you can come into the square. Okay. Um, you can also schedule an appointment. If we know, if you know you're coming and you're like, you know what, I want an activity with my family this day, we can custom put together oh, a workshop for you. Look at that. Your family. Wow. And we do it quite a bit. Like oh. last Saturday it was, I had a birthday party for eight-year-olds, seven little girls. We had a blast. Okay. And they painted the Eiffel Tower and they got to do it with glitter. We learned a little bit about (laughs) Paris and, oh, they had so much fun. And then I had the Rotary Electric Club come in and we built a beer stein out of clay. And I think I had 16 people. Oh, how cool. Adults. And we had a little bit of 
beer. I just don't think it's some good music and meteor convention idea right there. So yeah, so I'm gonna come full circle back to the auction because when we think of the art at the square, it's not always art that you buy and hang on a wall. Tell me about the kind of art that was at the auction. Okay. Well, yeah, so contemporary art is very vast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of 2D art. So you can say 2D is art you would hang on the wall. Okay. It's a painting or a tile out of clay that you can hang or a platter, something like that. That's 2D. Three-dimensional art, you know, you're dealing with sculpture, sculpture in the round, things you can look at in all ways, at the top of it, the bottom of it, look all the way, walk around it. That's sculpture. We had soft sculpture, too, speaking of that. (laughs) And these were art made out of textiles and fiber and were definitely super contemporary. You know, (laughs) there's this one piece, I don't remember the title of it, but it almost reminds me a bit of a beach ball, but with like these eyeballs or little things coming out of out of each side. I mean, it's really interesting, super intricate to make. Um, so a lot of times you have to meet the artist to really understand where their ideas are coming from conceptually. Uh-huh. Typically, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. A lot of science and math involved in things like that. Yeah. You know, and a lot of accuracy and execution it was very well made. And then somebody purchased that for my operations manager, Colleen Palmer. And that's the exact opposite of what she's interested in. So it was hilarious. It's in her office. Like, she's like, what do I do with this? What I can't I take this to? home. My, my animals are going to eat it. Because <laughs> it looks like a stuffed animal. Right. But it's a stuffed, like, atom or something. I don't know. How yeah. cool. So we had all kinds of things, you know. I mean, photography, paintings, lithographs, prints, sculpture. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and that's what I wanted people to hear is, you know, a lot of times people think even with Western Art Week or we tell them to go to a museum, they're thinking of they're going to walk through and just see pictures hanging on a wall. And that's not always the case in a mm-hmm. lot of the places, even even our museums that are pictures <laughs> on the wall type museums. There's still so much more to the art that exists at the square in particular, because we get most of the diversity of art there at the square for anyone to enjoy and experience. So oh, Yeah, and you know, once you learn and, and have a little patience or give yourself the time to actually leisurely come in mm-hmm. and give it a chance. Yeah, You know, there's text yeah. panels that you can read and then you go, oh, that's what's going on in this, you know? I actually really appreciate it a lot more now that I understand it. Right. Because often people don't understand how to look at art, so they typically are fearful of coming in and even trying because they don't know what to say. Yeah. But it's all basic things. What do you see? It's that simple. What do you see? Why do you say that? So you think about that. Why did I say it looks like this? Well, about points. And then what else can you find? Yeah. You know, there is no wrong answer per se. I mean, artists create for themselves first as a gift to other people, but we usually want the audience to come up with their own interpretation typically. And and we leave it that loose. What it may mean to me may mean nothing to you that same way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's okay, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, of course that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's because, you know, as an artist, too, once again, you make it for your, at least for myself as an artist, I make because I need to make this piece. And if there is somebody that it resonates with, then that's a bonus. Right. But it's not a necessity for me. 
you don't have to like my work. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten used to that. I mean, maybe in the beginning, I'd be a little sensitive to it. What do I need to change? And hurt my feelings, like you know? <laughs> yeah. But now I'm like, okay, you don't have to like it. Mm-hmm. We're good. Perfect. Because you'll like something else. Yeah. Cool. We have a, an original abstract painting out of the studio from a local artist that was here. The story behind it is amazing. It's not a piece that resonates with me. Like I can't look at it and go, I love this work of art, but I love watching the guy create it. And I loved the experience of getting that piece of work. And isn't that wonderful? I mean, just it's not my once color again, scheme. it may not be, yeah, your yeah. colors, your thing, but to have the respect for the artist and why they make it or how they make it is what, what's truly interesting. Yeah. And some, and artwork isn't always supposed to be beautiful. What is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Art can also challenge you, be pretty grotesque yeah. in ways. Um, but if it's speaking to something important that's happening today in our society or culture, artists speak the truth. Yeah. And we do it in visual form. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting schooled. (laughs) We do our truth in audio form. Exactly. (laughs) Right. You know, and often artists have a hard time putting things to words. That's what academia helps you with. Yeah. Okay. Because you're dealing with theory and history. And and artists often, professional artists, you know where your work falls along the lines of a historical trajectory. You know. So where do you fit in historically? And then where do you fit in with contemporary society today? And how does your work fit in those realms? Mm. That's super important to know as an artist. Well, if anyone's an artist out there, you know, send us your work and we'll... <laughs> Put it on display. Put it on display. We'll let you know what, what we saw, why we said it, and what else we see. Yeah. So Excellent. I remember. That's visual thinking strategies. I can just regurgitate things I hear. So, Sarah, that's pretty much the reason we have you on here, so that I can sound intelligent later. Yep. We, when we direct people to the square, now we know these are the three things you're going to want to pay attention to. <laughs> Exactly. So we'll help out. That's what we're here for. Yes. And this textiles <laughs> exhibition that's up right guy, it, it truly is outstanding. We're creating a catalog for it. These women, these three women, which is Maggie Hiltner, Ashley Blaylock, and Jennifer Reifschneider, they are very accomplished. Their resumes are really outstanding, very well educated, um, very knowledgeable, and they bring some people bring humor to the work. Some people bring, like Jennifer Reifshiner, she's like a complete scientist philosopher. Okay. Oh, really? I mean, I mean, listening to her talk, she's, she's interested in how much mass or space her body makes. It's like she's almost a planet in a room, and then she'll map out these coordinates and create oh, cool. this whole body of work on that. My brain thinks nothing like that. But also visually, some of the aspects that she has in the exhibition are visually... Um, attractive as well to look at. Yet I I can never go into the math realm that she does. Oh, yeah. Not at all. Um, and then Maggie Hiltner makes quilts, but these are art quilts used from found Im- historical or um, antique embroidered pieces. Like, you know, your grandmother's or great-grandmother's pillowcases used to have embroidery on them or mm-hmm. dish towels and things yeah. like that. Well, she collects that. And we'll cut those out, re 
remake them into stories. And then if she doesn't have enough, then she recreates them and hand does them oh, oh, my wow. to match. So she's very prolific, shows all over the country and the world. All these women are collected all over the world. Their work oh, wow. is in museums and collections. Um, and there's tons of humor. So Maggie's talking a lot about like childhood and growing up and exploration as a young person and in all ways. <laughs> it's in the work. And then Ashley Blaylock, she lives in San San Diego. She's also a professor of art, but she's into the history of knitting and crocheting, you know, she, but she's flipping it on its head a little bit. So these doilies, think about all these antiques our grandmothers used to have. And there's this one beautiful room in the house that nobody could ever go right. into. Because, and they're all on display. Right. Yes. And then the doilies were under all the plants. And, you know, you never sat anything on the fine furniture. It was these beautiful doilies. So she's remembers that from her childhood and her grandmother's home and things. So she started memorizing these patterns and doing them like in 15-foot diameter. Oh, wow. In yeah. her living room. <laughs> with her two little ones. Yeah. You know, so she's pretty brilliant. And there's all these stories behind it. She's she's also got a great sense of humor, kind of cynical, you know, kind of a, mm, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just really enjoyed chatting with her and getting to know her. She's really pretty funny. Yeah. I, yeah, I need to go back and see the completed exhibit because all I did was see a little peek and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go in there and bother them because they <laughs> don't need never me. be bothered. No, you don't even have to. There's people that come in that dart through like, oh, God, I hope they don't see me, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they don't want to be bothered. You know, typically we're all in our offices, but um, no, you can come in and we'll never even know you were there. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> Perfect. And it's OK. And you can say, you know, I'm just here. Look, let me alone. Let me alone. I mean, we're not here to sell you anything. <laughs> We're not an art gallery well, like that, you know. Unless you're in the, the gift, gift shop. shop. Unless you're in the gift shop. <laughs> then you better be buying. Well, Sarah, thank you for coming on. Again, if you have any questions about what we talked about on this episode with Sarah Justice from The Square, go to werenodamexperts.com. We're going to link the relevant information and some images there. And then if you have any questions, give me a call at 406 761 4436 or email me at information at visitgreatfalls.org. Also, Sarah is a real life person that lives right here in Great Falls and she works at the square. So you may even see her when you go to visit on your next trip to this beautiful community. So thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. (laughs) Thank you. And listeners, until we see your bright, shining, happy, beautiful face here in Great Falls, we hope you are creating amazing memories with your friends and family. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. We are no damn experts as the recorded claims from Great Falls, Montana, covering what you need to know about this amazing damn town. Damn, that felt good. On the next episode of War No Damn Experts, Rebecca and Maddie have the executive director and the conductor from the Great Falls Symphony on the podcast. War No Damn Experts is produced by Great Falls Montana Tourism with original music by the best damn musician, Joel Corda.